What's up, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 90s Called Podcast. I'm your host, Jess. Thanks for joining me today. So we're going to start today's episode with kind of a rant, because I'm sure you all have started to see this. Some stores have started putting out their holiday decorations. I've even seen commercials on TV start to put up their holiday commercials. And I'm sitting here going, it's a little bit too early for that. I wouldn't have an issue if they decided to do it after Halloween. But at the time of this recording, it's before Halloween, and they already have Lowe's Christmas commercials, Walmart Christmas commercials, pretty sure they have an Ace Hardware Christmas commercial. Why are they having them start so freaking early now? It's not like we don't know that Christmas is coming. We all know it is. It's the more popular holidays out of all the ones you have between Halloween, Thanksgiving, and December. Wow, I said that wrong. Between Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Now, I know I do have some people who I am friends with and will probably lambast me for saying Christmas is more popular than Halloween, especially because I don't really, really agree with that. I'm pretty sure that Halloween has surged in popularity compared to Christmas, but when it gets to this time of year, I've, I have a friend or two friends who actually have Halloween-themed Christmas trees. So that way, they're technically doing both holidays, and they don't really have to choose one or the other, even though it's more Halloween-themed, and I, these people 100% are Halloween fiends. They are some of the ones that will text me in September, saying it's almost time for Halloween. I'm like, it hasn't even gone out of summer yet. Would y'all chill? But in general, they just, they just have the commercials and everything for it too early, and it's hard to actually get into the spirit of any holiday when you are trying to, like, bogart each other's holiday time. And I know part of it is because of sales, Especially with Black Friday. Black Friday is, a if you work in retail like I do, Black Friday can be a nightmare. It can be some of the most fun that you have for working, but it is a freaking nightmare. There's so many people who are trying to get so many good deals on things, and the deals aren't even really that great anyway. But it's primarily a way to kickstart your shopping for Christmas. And because of that, that's where everybody gets into a panic, and that's where it seems like all the manners and politeness that people have for each other goes out the window, which is what then makes it that people tend not to like the holidays as much, or at least Christmas, I'd say holidays in general, because I love Thanksgiving and Christmas together. We'll all be honest here. Thanksgiving isn't the most popular holiday, especially over the past couple of years when everybody's turned their opinions around on what we were taught in school about Thanksgiving to what really actually happened with Thanksgiving. So I just love those two together. But in general, when it gets to the point of the holidays coming, it is more stressful than it is fun, especially if you're an adult. It's It was great when you were a kid and you had that much time off of school. But as an adult, it could, it could suck. And all of the holiday sales and everything that makes people panic, nobody needs to panic. If you planned it out throughout the year and what people wanted or what you thought would be a good gift for them, it wouldn't be an issue. Take it from me. I shop year-round for Christmas. I get ideas from people just listen to the talk and I'll write in a note somewhere and then I'll probably get it or I'll wait till it gets cheaper and then get it because you know we all love a sale if you wouldn't have to panic so much if the commercialism of the holidays didn't make you panic quite frankly at this point when it comes to gifts I would much rather have experiences than stuff except for the fact that I do like getting a lot of workout gear because that way I don't have to buy my own workout gear and I use it a lot so that's going to the gym is experience so that works out for me but experiences are probably a better gift to get people nowadays because it's something that you can experience. I That's a really redundant way to say it, but you get my point. But you can get pictures from the experience. You can talk to people about it. You actually get to stay in the moment of what it is that you're doing rather than, oh, I have another Funko Pop that I don't have a place to put. 
I have it, actually no books are good too. I like getting books. I have more clothes. I don't know where I can put them. I mean, it, it, it just becomes a thing where people are more concerned about getting gifts as opposed to really thinking about people. Or at least that's my opinion. I've noticed it. If you want to be stress-free, think about getting someone experience or food. Food always works. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with giving people food. I went off on a tangent. I'm very aware of that. I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring out the point of Christmas is a little bit too early. And it started to freak me out a little bit, especially with all the commercials coming in. And I thought I'd get your guys' opinion on it. So I vented, and I'm going to put up a question about it, or a poll, I guess, about it on this podcast episode, just to get your guys' thoughts on it, too. Is Christmas celebrated too early, or do you think it's just fine? Also, I want to make a note that I absolutely love Christmas. Every now and again, my love for it does get a bit waned for how I often have to work during that season. But I love Christmas. It may not have sounded like it through my vent, but I want to make that very clear. So let's get into today's episode. First, today's episode is brought to you by Dunkaroos. I did have it again recently, and I will tell you, it's not the same. So Dunkaroos, as I remember it, they were in the tealish blue, like a Tiffany blue pouch where you peel back the foil... On one end, you had a pit that was filled with creamy goodness of the frosting, and the other pit that had all the cookies in it. And I remember the cookies being more of a warm golden color, and the frosting being very similar in texture to the frosting you get on top of a cupcake. But the Dunkaroo that I had recently, the color of the cookies were different. It was like a palish, yellowish golden, and the frosting was a consistency that was between a solid and a liquid. It was a little bit runnier than it used to be. It tasted exactly the same. But it didn't look the same. So that put me a little bit off. But in general, it was still good. Literally, you're just eating cookies and frosting. It was some of the best snacks that I had in the 90s. I still like the way it tasted now. It just didn't look the same. And as much as I know that you can't have everything be exactly the same when you have snacks from back then to now, especially logos on things, I kind of wish it still had the same sort of recipe to it so they still look uniform to where we had it. So, if you are looking for a 90s snack and you want to get something that you remember, that brings like a lot of memories of being hyped up on sugar that we probably should not have had with our lunch, I would definitely go for a Dunkaroo again. So, I would give Dunkaroos probably a 4 out of 5 stars just because the consistency of the frosting was different and the cookies didn't look the same. But 100% the chocolate one, the chocolate frosting one was better than the vanilla frosting one. Even if it was the vanilla frosting with the sprinkles in it, the chocolate one is better. So, that being said... We are going to go into our episode, which if you couldn't tell from the title, today we are talking about the TV show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark was probably one of the scariest shows I have ever watched as a kid. And the thing is, is that it's not even really terrifying. It was more that it was unsettling and creepy. Very similar to Goosebumps, it just had a very creepy and unsettling feeling that any of the stories that we saw could be something that could actually happen. Of course, our childlike imaginations probably didn't help things, but it just had this really, really good, tense feeling when watching the show that you literally didn't know what was going to happen or what sort of monster would come out, and it would just make it that we were scared because our brains would just go into overdrive and we would take in everything that was being shown to us and just be unsettled and creeped out by it. I know some people who would watch it with the lights off, I would not ever do that as a kid. It's Even the theme song, I'll get to it in a minute, but even the opening scared me to death, so I was not going to watch that show with the lights off. But it really helped put in the ambiance of everything that you wanted out of something that was supposed to be scary. And the fact that they had it for kids, I think was a good a good touch. Of course, upon rewatch, a lot of the acting left a lot to be desired, but it still is a classic if you watch it now. 
sure some kids nowadays aren't going to be scared by some of the things that happen, but I'm sure that there's going to be some things of it that will probably stick in their minds and terrify them a little bit. So let's get into the backstory of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then we'll jump into the episodes, the movie, and how production-wise the show went. Are You Afraid of the Dark was a children's horror anthology series created by DJ McHale and Ned Candell. If the name DJ McHale sounds familiar to you, it's because he also did the show on Discovery Kids, Flight 29 Down, which is actually another one of my favorite shows. But then he did also do things such as the Tower of Terror movie. He wrote for the Ghost Rider TV show. He did Encyclopedia Brown, the Peg Dragon book series. A lot of things that actually are very kid-oriented. So DJ McHale would be kind of like R.O. Stein if DJ McHale had done only horror works. But he was the one who did Are You Afraid of the Dark? He was the producer and the creator of the show. The show ran on Nickelodeon from 1992 to 1996. And it had two revival series, with the first airing from 1999 to 2000. And then the second one, which is actually currently airing from 2019 to 2022, since it just got renewed for a third season. Are You Afraid of the Dark? was actually a combined production venture from America's Nickelodeon to Canada's YTV. So both series of Are You Afraid of the Dark revolves around a group of teens who refer to themselves as the Midnight Society. In every episode, at a secret location in the woods, one member would tell a scary story to the group. The actual story, rather than the telling, was displayed to the person who was watching the show. And the story was shown between the group's arrival at the site and their departure. Each story would begin with the storyteller saying, Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story, and insert the story name here, at which point they would toss a handful of midnight dust from a leather pouch into the campfire to heighten the flames and produce the eerie white smoke, and then the name of the story would appear on the screen. I definitely remember when this show first came out, apart from the fact that we were all scared to death, we all really wanted to be part of a midnight society in some way, shape, or form. It was really cool to see that teens or kids our age were going to a place in the woods to gather together to hang out and tell scary stories. That was something that we all wanted. And even as a teen, I still wanted to be able to do that. But in the society we lived in, we even though we didn't have cell phones and <clears throat> our parents didn't know where we were all the time, we still had to let them know where we were at. And it seemed like the midnight society didn't, had I mean, had that sense of freedom where they could go and just hang out and then go back. But here's the thing. There is question as to whether or not the Midnight Society were hanging out in the woods somewhere or if they were at a campsite. And the reason we say that is because there's an episode, which I believe was actually the pilot, where Gary, the main character, he says that they have to put out the fire and go back before it lights out. So lights out could be two different things. It could be where, like, when we were in... Growing up, we were told we had to be back before the streetlights turned on. Or it'd be like at a campsite where you had to be back in your cabin at lights out. It may have been early installment weirdness, but it did give the sense at the beginning that they were supposed to be at a summer camp where later it was just that their parents knew they were going to hang out in the woods and sit around a campfire and that's what they would do. So DJ McHale actually wrote the line submitted for the approval of as a nod to the Twilight Zone where Rod Sterling, the creator, after introducing the episode, would say, submit it for your approval. The themes of the stories usually revolved around a variety of paranormal things, such as demons, ghosts, magic, 
haunted houses, magical curses, aliens, witches, vampires, werewolves, and all of that coming into contact with, like, the average kid. And usually the episodes were either filmed in the woods, in abandoned houses, or in public places like schools or libraries. Sources of the stories varied. Many were adaptations of public domain fairy tales and short stories and urban legends, where, for example, the tale of the Twisted Claw is an adaptation of the short story The Monkey's Paw. And The Monkey's Paw is actually one of my favorite urban legends. I remember first hearing about it, I believe, in fifth grade, but that one really stuck with me the most when it comes to urban legends and things that were really popular in the 90s, of which I'm also going to be doing an episode about. And it's, I don't know, it's just the monkey's paw was always one of the creepier stories that we ever heard. So knowing that it was adapted into this was actually one of the better trivia moments that I realized much later. At the end of the episodes, they usually had happy endings for the stories, or at least endings where characters were okay in a sense. But some of them actually had bad endings or twist endings like The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, The Tale of the Two Chameleons, or The Tale of the Pinball Wizard. At the end of most episodes, typically it would be Gary in the first episode, first episode's first run of the show, and Tucker in the second run. But they would throw a bucket of water on the fire, stating, I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed, and the group would then leave the campsite, thus ending the storytelling and then ending the episode. Are You Afraid of the Dark originally ran from 1992 to 1996 with five seasons that each held 13 episodes. It was then revived in 1999 for two seasons that also had 13 episodes. And when it ended in 2000, it wouldn't be revived again until 2019, where they would have three seasons with varying episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark called Carnival of Doom as one season, Curse of the Shadows as a second, and Ghost Island as a third. In between the time of the second revival and the third revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark being greenlit at Nickelodeon, it was announced in 2017 that there was going to be a live-action feature film of Are You Afraid of the Dark. However, the movie was later removed for Paramount's schedule. And then in 2019, it was announced that the series would be revived again for a limited series, which is what the 2019 revival ended up being. However, there is also trivia in stating that the movie was supposed to be done in 1998, starring the second cast of the Midnight Society, but Nickelodeon asked for the script to be toned down and made less dark, and then eventually ended up canceling it altogether. So there could have been a movie earlier than when they established another one in 2017, but that ended up being completely shut down. And judging on the dates of the movie that was supposed to come out in 1998, and when the revival came back, you can pretty much make the claim that the movie was supposed to have been like an actual finale for the show. And then when that got dropped, Nickelodeon just decided to revive it for another season. The original run of the Midnight Society characters were 10. Uh, some of them did move away and get replaced by other people. Production-wise, it could have been some other reasons behind the scenes. I can say that one of the characters... Her actress decided that she didn't want to be part of the show anymore, and that's why her character got replaced. But there were 10 original members of the Midnight Society, and I'm going to very quickly go over all of the, those characters. So the first and probably most popular one was Gary, who was an unassuming, bookish-looking boy and the founder of that generation of the Midnight Society. Gary had a fascination with magic, especially where the magician Houdini was concerned. His stories tended to revolve around cursed or enchanted objects and how, in the wrong hands, they could cause disaster, 
both for the holder and those around them. In the three-part episode, The Tale of the Silver Sight, Gary revealed that his grandfather was the founder of the Midnight Society, and that is his grandfather's stories that inspired him to recreate the group. Betty Ann was a vibrant girl who had an open and eager passion for the bizarre and twisted. Her stories often included themes where an alien or a supernatural force was trying to break into the world of the characters or try to drag into their own worlds. Kiki was a spunky, tomboyish girl who often made, often made fun of the others in the group. A lot of her stories involved plots where the danger of carelessness and deceitfulness repeated itself. It was also notable that a large number of the characters in the stories were of African descent as she was African-Canadian, though that tended to die off later in the series. Frank was the punk teenager. He, his stories didn't often have a theme, but do have the recurring character Dr. Vink as the villain, or at least as the story's antagonist. He was later replaced by the character Stig. So then we have Tucker, who is Gary's younger brother and the youngest member of the Midnight Society. Due to his age, he was also pretty obnoxious, honestly. At first, I never really liked Tucker. I thought he was just that annoying bratty character that was brought in, but, I mean, he, he ended up holding on his own, especially because he eventually ended up being the leader of the Midnight Society once the original group left. His stories tended to involve family relationships, um, and they reflect potentially the relationship with his brother because they were relationships that were bad at first, but then ended up being pretty good. There was a running theme of the characters accidentally unleashing evil in their society, and that, again, just goes with the theme that it had potentially with his relationship with his brother. Sam was a girl with an obvious crush on Gary, who becomes one of the highlighted arcs for both of their developments in the show. The show actually, the season finale or series finale of the show was actually the episode, The Tale of the Night Shift with the Vampire, which I'll get into later. Um, and that was the one where the show ended with the two of them getting together. And DJ McHale specifically did that episode in terms of directing because it was the last one and because it was going to put like a mark at the end of the show. So, uh, Sam's stories usually had more of a strong theme of love and its endurance beyond death. Kristen was a girl who was squeamish about pretty much everything, but still really enjoyed ghost stories and fairy tales. She had a crush on David and their affection on each other was an arc for the first few series, series, seasons. Uh, she liked to dress up for her stories or bring something for effect to scare the others and oh, almost always dealt with ghosts of the past who had unfinished business that they couldn't complete without the aid of the living. David was the introverted boy of the group who also had a crush on Kristen. His stories tended to be less about outside forces and more to deal with evil or past events that weren't unsolved or the darkness inside normal people. Stig, who ended up being the replacement for Frank, got his nickname from the term Stigma because he was an outsider to the group, pretty much. He was the last member to be initiated into the Midnight Society, and he only had two stories. He had The Tale of the Dead Man's Float, which is actually one of my absolute favorite ones, even though it scared me half to death, and The Tale of Station 109.1, which is another one of my favorite episodes. And it's probably because of the issues that people had with Stig that his stories revolved around outsiders being judged for their appearances. And then last and not least was Eric, who was a boy who had two stories in the first season before his character was cut out. There was no visible theme in his storytelling, but they did seem to be about incredibly powerful evil forces. 
in the short run of the show, Eric was rather negative and spent most of the time making sarcastic comments and antagonizing the other members of the group. And he's the only character of the show to leave the show without any explanation for his departure. When it comes to the legacy of a show as a whole, DJ McHale said, I wanted stories about real kids who were facing challenges that had nothing to do with the supernatural situation they ended up in. But I'd like to believe that by depicting kids taking charge of difficult situations, it opened up kid viewers to the idea that they aren't powerless in their own lives. I write about kids who find themselves in challenging situations and ultimately solve the problems themselves, no matter their sex, race, or age. We wanted to depict a wide variety of stories, characters, and situations. It was always about diversity, and we didn't play into stereotypes. Due to this, Are You Afraid of the Dark was actually nominated for an NAACP Image Award in 1996. The show has also been seen as helping to create a gem generation of feminist horror fans as it showed kids a world where girls get got to be the imperfect heroes as often as the boys did. According to McHale, in the first season alone, half of the scripts focused on female characters and were written by female writers. And for those who do want to get some more information about Are You Afraid of the Dark or just I have gotten back into it just because I'm mentioning this for the episode. There is an official podcast between Audible and Nickelodeon titled Are You Afraid of the Dark? The official podcast that was released on September 28th, 2023. So you guys should go check that out. So let's go into the opening of this show. If there is ever something that managed to scare kids so bad that they went running as soon as it started on TV, it was the opening to Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm pretty sure my dad would tell you that we were terrified of it and probably went running at some point. I don't quite remember that, but I do remember being scared by it in general. The music, the heartbeat in the background, the cliched laughter that they put in, that stupid clown that they decided to put into it, whereas it was panning over an attic. All of it was freaking creepy. And the fact that it also did it where it had a good ambiance, where the filming was all in this like cool blue grayish color, that is the one that, that's that's I think that's what freaked me out the most is the the color scheme they had of it. And don't get me wrong, the 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 idea of a swing set moving by itself or an empty canoe on a lake that is just creepy, creepy imagery. I can honestly say that that theme scared me more than Goosebumps did. And Goosebumps wasn't even that. Actually, no, Goosebumps had a really scary theme. Go back to my Goosebumps episode and you can talk about that. But it was probably the scariest thing, even just from music and from images that I have seen. And it had set kids running to their bedrooms when that show started. Imagine on a Saturday night, it's dark and that starts playing. Pause you pause right now and go to YouTube and look at it. It is creepy. But I also think that's what made it last as being such a good show is that it did make us feel something. But it kept us wanting to watch at the same time because the stories were so good. So now I want to go into some of the episodes. And the, only, the, the main thing I'm going to say is upon rewatching it recently, there's a lot of acting that left a lot to be desired. Which isn't that strange because when you have kid actors, it's hit or miss. There's some that are amazing, and there's some that don't do great. It's going to happen. It's a kid show. But I will say, what was really interesting to me is I found out that some of the takes that they had for the episodes that we thought might have been kind of weird were because they were the best takes that they had. So here's the thing. Some of the acting that was kind of stilted was because of where they were filming the episodes. 
any episodes that had scenes in a forest were actually shot in an arbor arboretum. Arbor I'm going to pronounce this so badly. Hold on. An arboretum. Sorry, I was trying to say it would be filmed in an arboretum where that actually was supposed to be protected. And because it's a protected wildlife area, they couldn't spray for mosquitoes. So the shots that were put into the episodes were because they were the only ones where the actors weren't swatting themselves to keep the mosquitoes away. Now, that is just for the ones for the forest episodes. Some other ones were just because the actors might not have been that great. But like again, again, like I said, they were kid actors. And I'm not saying everybody is Ryan Gosling when it comes to acting as a kid. You pretty much didn't have many to choose from anyway in terms of the production. Because there was the Canadian Acting Union that they had. So there were only so many child actors at the time. So they consistently reused them amongst say, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. And that's why Ryan Gosling ended up being in both shows. But like I was saying before, they did have episodes such as The Silver Sight, Tale of the Dead Man's Float, The Tale of the Laughing in the Dark, which I absolutely refuse to watch ever again because it ended up scaring me half to death. And now I'm slightly afraid of clowns simply because of that episode. And I freaking hate it. Um, they had The Tale of the Lonely Ghost. The Tale of the Dream Machine, Tale of the 13th Floor, which is what Aaron Ashmore was in, The Tale of Apartment 214, The Tale of the Doll Maker, The Tale of the Carved Stone. There was a lot of ones. Oh, The Tale of the Dream Girl, that was a good one too. Oh, and so was The Tale of the Quicksilver, and The Tale of the Long Ago Locket, and what was the other one? Oh, uh, it was the one where, oh gosh, it was it was with the grinning monster, the one that was a jester that made people drool and look like imbeciles. That was a good one. So there's a lot of really popular episodes that if you asked fans of it now, they probably could mention at least what happened in the episode, if not the name of them. But there are a lot of good ones that still stand the test of time in terms of how it creeped people out to the point that they still remember it. So to that point, I had even asked a couple of people on Instagram, or I put the question up on Instagram, what was their favorite or figure there was the most scary episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And some of the responses were the Tale of the Silver Sight, Tale of the Dead Man's Float, which again, scared the crap out of me, even though that's one of my favorite ones, the Tale of the Twisted Claw, and the Tale of the Laughing in the Dark. So, Tale of Laughing in the Dark is probably the one that people remember the most because of how scary the clown was. But the Tale of the Dead Man's Float is also probably remembered because of the same idea. However, and there's no spoilers of this. This show is like 30 years old. I You can't get spoiled on it. The Tale of the Dead Man's Float scared people because it had a skeleton-like ghost that would attack you in the pool and drown you. And you wouldn't know it was there because before they dyed it red, which is an explanation, uh, you didn't know the ghost was there. So you could be swimming in the pool and minding your own business, having a good time. And next thing you know, a ghost that you can't see is trying to drown you. But upon seeing that ghost when it was dyed, the costuming in that monster, that was amazing. It terrified the hell out of a bunch of us to the point that I now still don't really like going swimming if I can't see the bottom of a pool. Partially because, you know, healthy fear of drowning, but also because of that episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark specifically. So kudos to them for it. One of the more interesting things about Are You Afraid of the Dark was who they had casted on the show. So you had the regular cast members as the Midnight Society, who actually became very popular, even though DJ McHale didn't 
expect that to become a thing. But then you did also have the actors who would portray characters in the stories that are being told, who specifically to tie in the American market were teen celebs, or a majority of them were teen celebs, who were popular at the time to be guest stars. So there were guest stars such as Melissa Joan Hart, Tatiana Ali, Tia Tamara Mori, Will Friedel, before Boy Meets World, so it's just before he got to be kind of, like, really popular. There's also Aaron Ashmore, who, if you know him and Sean Ashmore, they've done a lot of things that we watch as kids, including Animorphs, which is going to be an episode as well, because I love that book series. The TV show sucked, but I love the book series. They did also have actors such as Emily, Emily Van Kemp, Rachel Blanchard, Joanna Garcia, Daniel DeSanto, who you would recognize from Mean Girls. He was the one who Lacey Chabert's character was continuously dating, even though he was kind of a sleaze. And if you're also into anime, he was the voice of Ray from Beyblade, so that's where I knew him from. They also had Ryan Cooley from Degrassi, Gilbert Gottfried, who was probably one of the best characters they had in an episode of the show. He was in the episode, the Station 109.1, like I was saying. He, okay, if you look at it on YouTube, you can tell he was having a blast with his lines. He was an incredibly good character in that episode. You need to go watch it. They also had Laura Bertram, Marty Billard, and Fab Philippo from the Canadian teen show Ready or Not, which is also one of my favorite shows, which was very popular in the 90s as well. Now, going back to the acting of it all, they did the best with what they had, even... Okay, so one of my other favorite episodes is The Tale of the Mongo Locket, the one that Will Friedle was in. Probably is because I had a crush on Will Friedle when I was younger, and he just looked really good in that episode. But I did like that episode, despite the fact that it was kind of heavy-handed and what the plot was going on. He acted in it very well. Some of the other people, not so much. But they did the best with what they could. So the thing that really played the set of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which makes things kind of uh, silly if you watch it now, is the fact that the executives who were around the production wanted to make the show less dark and tone things down so it wasn't completely scary for kids. So it was scary, but I think that really hurt the show despite how popular it was. Because if it ended up being scarier, or if they allowed it to be scarier, it probably would have brought in much better acting for the, or maybe even just better scripts for what were written. Because in many ways, you could tell it was written for kids. The Some of the lines don't make sense, or they're incredibly obvious and redundant. And I'm not saying that they were trying to go for Oscars or anything, but the writing could have been tighter. It it's, it's a staple of the 90s, you could tell... Like, even if you watch episodes of Wild and Crazy Kids back, you could tell it still had that same simple dialogue and everything. But it was still charming, and so was Are You Afraid of the Dark, so I can give it a pass for that. I will say, though, The Tale of the Night Shift, I think is what I said it was called. Um, The very last episode of what at least should have been the very last episode of the show, that was a really dark episode. Because it was, it was, the story was a girl who worked as essentially a candy striper in a hospital. She was being plagued by vampires that were trying to suck the blood of everybody in the hospital, all the patients in the hospital staff, and then try to kill her at the end. And at the end, 
he held the vampire held her over the side of a building threatening to drop her off and instead of just sucking her blood like a regular vampire would he then said i should just throw you off and lick up the remains which is a very dark and interesting thing for a vampire compared to as we know that they usually just suck the blood and turn them all into undead creatures but that was the darkest one because of the fact that they were threatening to throw him off, throw her off the building, and then just how creepy and poignant of a and violent of a line it was directly after. So I wish more episodes were more like that one in terms of the stakes that were raised. But like I said, the executives and production didn't want it to be too scary for kids, so they decided to tone things down. And it probably was the fact that they planned it being the last episode of the show in its entirety, why they went that dark, especially because that's the one that DJ McHale went back to write and direct for. But we can't say for sure if that's what the thought process was behind it, but I did greatly enjoy that episode. Also, a fun fact, the pilot of the entire show actually wasn't the tale of the Phantom Cab. It was the tale of the Twisted Claw which is why some things are slightly different or it seems kind of off compared to the episodes. But if Tale of the Phantom Claw was the very first one and that's what made the show greenlit, they did a great job with that episode. So let's talk about the 2019 reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I did rewatch it for this episode because I did watch parts of it on TV when it first aired. And I have to say, I actually did really enjoy it. Now, that being said, I only watched the first season. I hadn't watched the second and third. But it was actually really good. The imagery was sufficiently creepy. There were some things that I kind of rolled my eyes at, which I'm sure plenty of our parents did when we watched Are You Afraid of the Dark in the 90s. But it, it's really solid. So the first thing I will mention is the theme. The opening theme, it was literally like an updated version of the previous Are You Afraid of the Dark opening. It kept the heartbeat. It kept the music. But all the imagery was slightly creepier. Because the imagery of this one was more around a carnival. You did still have the look of the swing set. It was kind of upgraded a bit. And then you did also have the imagery of leaves turning into scorpions, which is really cool. My only thing is, is that it changed the, the tone of the music towards the end. By that, I mean it had that weird ghostly wail in the 90s version of the opening where the, the match went out. But in this one, it was replaced with organ music, which I wasn't a huge fan of. It didn't really have that extra creep factor added to it because of the organ music. But it's a solid opening. As for the plot of this season, because again, it's a three-part, I guess, anthology, if you want to put it that way. The plot is new girl Rachel feels left out, just like the new kid, at school until the Midnight Society invites her to join their group. But she just has to tell a scary story to be able to be joined in. However, there is a disappearance that happens that links to Rachel's story. So the Midnight Society decide to go to the Carnival of Doom to see what goes on. And then things go from there. I'm not going to go into detail about that one because this coming out in 2019, I will spoil things. And I don't want to spoil anything for everybody. In this case, I just say go ahead and watch it. The acting is pretty good. There's a lot of good humorous moments. I do remember the looks of the clowns, the commercial scared the hell out of me, and it also did with some of the jump scares in the episode as well, which is very hard to do because I don't get jump scared that easily. I generally can see where it's coming, so being able to get jump scared a little bit was actually pretty good. Like I did mention before, there are two other seasons. There's Curse of the Shadows in 2021 and Ghost Island in 2022. 
I haven't watched the other two, but Carnival of Doom is actually pretty good. It holds up very well. So this is where it gets to the point of what would I do if I were to make Are You Afraid of the Dark now? If there was a way for me to do a mashup of the 90s version and the ver- tw- nine, 2019, is my 20s, the 2019 version, I would do that. I would make it an anthology series of sorts, but I would still have the point of the kids going to the group and saying, by the Order of the Midnight Society, I present this episode and then or this story and then tell the story and then go do that. If you could do that, I think it'd be perfect. I think the ambiance and the nature of the 90s version, where it's just kids hanging out without cell phones, because we didn't have any back then, or at least they were too expensive, uh, without cell phones, without social media, without anything getting in the way, I thought that was really indicative of its time. It just puts it in that time capsule that flowed well for them sitting around a campfire telling stories. If they put that into the new one, and still managed to make it in an uh, overarching story throughout the entire season, 100%, I would be all for it. That's exactly what I would do with it, and I can't really see any other way that they would make the show better. However, I do also wish they would get the original cast, or at least the original 10 Midnight Society members, have them do another episode or a season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The same way they did in the 90s and literally not mention anything about modern society. Like if they just, if they followed the older cast and had them say, hey, you know, just to relive our childhood again, let's tell some scary stories again. It did that and literally kept everything the same, like bad kid acting, <laughs> not as great scripts or as, as toned down of a script as you can have, even though nowadays they can be a little bit darker. If you pretty much kept everything the same from the 90s, I would love to see that. I wouldn't call it a reboot. I wouldn't call it a refresh. Just a continuation. I would 100% watch that. If they made it a movie, I 100% would watch it. And I think that's the best way that they could do Are You Afraid of the Dark Justice other than what they currently have on Nickelodeon simply because it's, like I said before, it's timeless. You don't have as many urban legends coming out over the last couple of years, probably thanks to Snopes.com, even though I love that website. I can't even think of any urban legend that's going around now that I hadn't heard when I was a kid, which again is going to be its own episode. Like, I might have heard some ones from Japan or other countries, but you don't hear about any American ones. Like, is there an urban legend about someone's cell phone or anything? Is there an urban legend about social media? Probably. Is there urban legends about our technology right now? I don't think so. Probably because the internet has so much information where you can debunk things so quickly. It just doesn't have that same feel to it. And I kind of wish we would go back to the urban legends, ghost stories, the scary stories that we told. Because if I told a kid a story now saying, if you drink soda and eat Pop Rocks at the same time, your stomach will explode. They'd look it up so fast to prove me wrong. It's not as much fun. And I think that's what made it so fun back then, too, was that there was no way for us to know for sure if it was real. Just like that gang initiation where if you're driving on the road and your headlights are off and you flash the other person's your headlights, they turn around and kill you. I'm sure there's at least something that was similar to that to have made the urban legend. But if you try to tell a kid that now, they just look it up and you'd be proven wrong. So I guess 
the best thing about Are You Afraid of the Dark was that it just really touched upon the general fear that we had because we didn't know anything and there was no way for us to really know anything. So all of it was plausible. Plus, who doesn't like to be scared a little sometimes? Why else would horror-themed nights at amusement parks and horror movies coming out in, like, summer, which is kind of weird, why would those be popular if it wasn't the fact that we do like being scared a little bit in some way, shape, or form? And if that's the way that we're going to be able to have it through shows that we have currently, like Are You Afraid of the Dark or the new Goosebumps, which is also pretty good, then I'm all for it. I might look at it through a nostalgic lens. I might roll my eyes at some things. I might dislike some things simply because it's not the same as I'm used to, but I'm still going to give it a chance. And in this case, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Whether it's the 90s version or the current version, you're going to have a good time watching it. You're going to have a good time being creeped out. You're just going to have a good time where the story will take you. And that's all they can ask from it. So thank you again for joining me on another episode of the 90s Called Pod. You can email me at the 90s Called Pod at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at the 90s Called Pod. Follow me on Facebook at the 90s Called. And you can just listen to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. I am on pretty much everything now. I can't think of any podcast thing that I'm not on. And if not, I will find it and I'll add the podcast onto it. Thank you so much for those who have donated to my podcast through the listener support. I do have that link at the bottom of the description of this podcast in general question mark um i do have it as a link on the facebook page and i did put it in a link in a facebook sorry instagram story you don't have to do a monthly donation if you don't want to i am not asking you or begging you to do it i'm just saying if you do share the link or you share the podcast in general thank you so much for all the help that you guys are giving me through it and for those that do decide to do the listening report i thank you as well so with this episode the 90s called And I want my Are You Afraid of the Dark back. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.